Hello, Orioles fans. Welcome to the season debut of Yardboard Podcast. I am Brian Eller alongside, or should I say remotely talking to, Orioles beat writer uh, Steve Molesky. Steve, welcome back. Hard to believe it's another season. We're already a week into the books, but it seems just like yesterday they were wrapping things up in Toronto, but here we are, 2017. Here we are, yeah, and I'm getting ready to go right back up there again on Thursday for that series, and you know... um, Oriole fans, don't shoot me, but I love going there because it's a great city and it's a festive, a tremendous atmosphere in the ballpark, and I think it produces some uh, some fun games. So this current trip there on, Brian, Boston, Toronto, Cincinnati, uh, it's a real tester, and there's so many division games early, uh, many more than there were last year for the Orioles. Right, absolutely. And, you know, I think it just before we kind of delve into this past week and kind of what's been going on and maybe a little bit into the off season. Uh, since it's been a few months since uh, most fans have heard uh, heard us on this podcast, um, I guess we're we're kind of just we're happy to be back for a second year. Um, you know, yard work. Uh, last year we kind of got things started. It was sort of trial and error. We just kind of flew by the seat of our pants. And you know, judging off of you know the listeners uh, listening from the blog, and we were able to get on onto iTunes and, and SoundCloud. Uh, it definitely seemed like this was a venue that that uh, fans were interested in. They wanted more of. So that was our, our, you know, a big factor in coming back, and um, you know this this is going to be a weekly podcast. And you know, Steve, we were we were talking before we before the show today that you know we're going to try to have it every week for everybody. Obviously, Steve, you're you're one of the busiest guys out there. You're getting pulled in ten different directions, and uh, you know, so we're we're trying to make it work for everybody. But we're happy to be back, and you know, I, I think at least for the you know a week into the season or any season, I think Steve, the key is to not overreact or, or get too too high or too low on what we've seen so far. You know, obviously, just just so far at this point, uh, to kind of recap where things are, Warriors are, you know, 4-1, sitting at first in the division. Uh, but, again, everybody's within three or four games just based on the, the number of games played. Um, I guess, Steve, overall, what have you seen so far from just the, the week, uh, you know, that's happened? What, what do you like? What do you don't like? What are you kind of keeping your eye on at this point? Um, you know, uh, the bottom line always goes to that record because that's how they're going to be graded at the end. So uh, you give them good grades for four and one. And you're right, you have five games, we, we just cannot make impressions. It's just, I mean, we can, but you'd be foolish to do it because it, it's going to change. I mean, I go back to every year, Brian, spring training. We look at spring training. Tanaka was had an 0-38 ERA in spring, and then he gave up seven runs in two and two-thirds his first start. Mark Trumbo didn't hit a home run all spring. What's wrong with Trumbo? Walk-off homer, you know, on opening day. That's right. And so you just can't grade too much into that. And the same with five games. But, you know, the Orioles, we know the obvious ones through five games, starters going to have to get more innings. The bullpen is really good. We know that. And so uh, they had to misstep Sunday when they had to rest some guys. And Buck did a good job because he knew – I could pitch for Zach Britton four consecutive games because I have two off days, and that there probably are a few times all year he'll do that. I mean, maybe the last two of the All-Star break, the first two out. That would be four straight games with all those days off in the middle. But when they play four games in four days, we're not going to see Zach Britton pitch in four straight. But this time you could. So uh, I hear some criticism. He's kidding for not using them Sunday. But you just you got to have this guy's arm you know, you can't blow them out by the Memorial Day. So they had to go with other guys Sunday. They gave they gave up the lead, or they could be 5-0. and um, So overall, really good so far. Well, and I feel like Britain, at least, 
you know, I feel like his stats, you know, stats are often so misleading. And I think for Burton, he's definitely one of those. Obviously, he's got the, the great ARA. He's still got the consecutive games save streak. I think it's at 50, 51 right now. Are we at 52? I think he's at 52. 52 now. I mean, but I feel like every time he comes out, he, 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 he makes sure that there's, a, you know, he often gets runners on first and second or even bases loaded before he kind of really buckles down and gets out of that jam. He had, there's a lot of close calls, and you're right. I mean, that's. That adds up to more pitches each inning uh, that he comes out, and you're right, you don't want to you don't want to blow him out too early. Obviously, it's it's just the second week in April, but um, it was I was almost obviously it would have been nice to see the Orioles close out that win on Sunday and get get the sweep. But after the oh, Yankees tacked on all those runs in it, I think it was you know seven to three there. It was kind of like okay, well at least Britain gets a little bit of a rest. Obviously, not the kind of rest you want. You'd rather have him out there closing things down. But you're right, I think not burning him out is actually a pretty big priority right now. I mean, you have a, when you manage a bullpen and Buckus, we know he's good at it. So he makes a lot of right decisions. Now we go back to the wild card game, but let, why should we do that? Oh, but anyway, let's have good memories. Let's grade this guy on his, all his years managing the Oriole bullpen, all the games. And we know he's good at it. And the pitchers have told me over the years, he seeks their input and he's good at knowing when Zach Britton needs an inning, there's going to be stretches this season where, for whatever reason, three or four days go by and they don't need Britton. Whether they're winning big or losing big, they're not going to use him. Right. But there might be the next day where the score is six to nothing and Britton might pitch an inning in a non-save spot because he needs it to be sharp. And people are going to go, why is Britton pitching? Well, because he doesn't want to go five straight days without getting in a game. And so tomorrow night, if they need him in a one-run game, he'll have had an inning under his belt. And so you have to balance that. Pitchers will tell Buck, hey, I could use an inning. Hey, I could use a day off. And he, he knows how to manipulate that. Um, and, he's, and, and there are days when you know pregame, he'll say, there's a couple guys I'm not going to use tonight, and he's not going to use them. And, 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 and if he, if he uh, cannot be that disciplined and he goes against what he says and he does use them, he's just going to get in trouble. He's been around the game too long. He knows, you know, there are nights you can't pitch guys, and that is all teams. There's going to be nights this year where Raldis Chapman can't pitch for the Yankees because he saved two or three games in a row, and nights when Kimbrell can't pitch for Boston. So um, this is not a Baltimore thing. This is a baseball thing. Right, right. Now, Sunday's uh, collapse, I guess, or, you know, struggles from the bullpen. Darren O'Day kind of struggled giving up those those foreign runs, and uh, I think he had some issues with command walking guys. And I know Gibbons has already given up, you know, a home run this year, uh, title list and a few earned runs. Is there, do you think it takes bullpen or relievers a little bit longer to sort of get into that regular season mode versus, versus a hitter who's, you know, going to have those multiple plate appearances each game or? Well, I think what Buck likes to do, and he got, he got it done for the most part in this five games to start the year is get everybody out there, get everybody in, in the rhythm, get everybody in a game. Um, and, and at the same time trying to win. I mean, you know, relievers, they're gonna, they're only gonna pitch 8, 10, 11, 12 innings in spring. They might throw an additional one or two at minor league camp. And Britain, because of the left side issue, didn't get those, even those few innings in. So I think he's still kicking off a little rust. I think most of that happened during this homestand, and it happened at a time when he didn't blow a game. So that's the good news. While he wasn't the, the A1 version of Zach, which we're gonna see, we know that. Um, he was a good enough version to not let a game get away. And so, yeah, but some, it's just a real balancing act for Buck, keeping these guys fresh enough 
so that they're on their game that night, not overusing them, pitching them when they haven't pitched in three or four days. And, you know, he's a master when he has an eight-man bullpen, which he, he has um, right now. So uh, I think that could serve the Orioles well um, going into this, uh, you know, Boston and Toronto. Yeah, and I feel like, obviously, a big part of keeping that bullpen fresh is an issue the Orioles ran into last year was having the starters, you know, eat up those innings and make sure that, you know, you're not tapping into the bullpen until maybe the seventh or eighth inning versus the fifth or sixth inning. Now, I think through the starts this year, uh, Bundy obviously was tremendous. Went, I think he went uh, seven innings in, in that start to pick up that win there. Uh, I don't think – I think he's the only one who's at least gone six innings in a start so far this season from the starters, if I'm correct. Um, still, I mean, not, not terrible. Miley went five in his start. I think Gosman has averaged uh, five innings in, he's in the, over his two starts. Um, I, I guess is the starting rotation – um, are you liking what you see from this so far? I think despite those those, those not long starts, uh, the two starts from Gosman, uh, Bundy, obviously, and even Miley with his command issues, uh, the seven walks in that start, I feel like the rotation's uh, on the right track, you know, at least for the progress. Everybody talks about it. All matters comes down to the starting rotation for the Orioles. Um, I feel like they're at least off to a good, respectable week one. Uh, they are. I mean, obviously, they need to get more innings. We know that. Right. So, I mean... Uh, when you say six innings, sometimes a fan goes, geez, that's all you're shooting for. That's all you get. But, but the bottom line to this is if you got six innings every night, your individual pitcher would end the year around 200 and the team would end the year being probably in the top four or five among league leaders and starters innings. So sure, you want, Bundy went seven. That's great. Get seven or eight, get nine if you can get it. But if you get through seven, you know, a lot of, and a lot of nights in the major league, starters are not pitching through seven. So that was a real bonus for Bundy. And so Gosman's got to get more innings, and he's got to lock in his command, which has been off. And you know, um, was a mixed bag for Miley, but I don't, I don't think anybody thought he'd throw five scoreless. So uh, with all the walks, somehow he did that. And I'm encouraged by the end of his year and the beginning to this. I mean, he's got a 1.52 ERA his last four Orioles starts. He had a terrible ERA his first eight. We know that. And I think the fan expectations are really low for this guy. They think he's terrible. But I don't think he is. I think he's got a track record of, you know, uh, from 20. Here's a surprising stat on Miley that I don't think a lot of people know. From 2012 through 2015, he had four straight years of 190 or more innings and a 4.46 or lower ERA. So 4.46 isn't great, Brian, but if he threw 190 innings for the Orioles this year and pitched to that ERA at the back of the rotation, the Orioles would be ahead of most teams in baseball. Not all, but most will not have a four or five guy who will do that. So that's not a real high bar with the ERA, obviously, and I think he's capable of giving them some quality innings at the back end. Right, absolutely. And and I'm curious to see, uh, obviously, I think, Bundy starting the road over tonight as we as we record in Boston. Um, I'm interested to see how this pitching staff does on the road. I mean, these guys, the younger guys, especially Gosman and Bundy, they're a year older. They've got a year more experience under their belt. Uh, I think I think most people would agree Boston's sort of the, the team to beat uh, in terms of just talent, top to bottom in the AL East. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how in everybody looks at the the maturation of Gosman and Bundy. They're supposed to be the leaders, you know. It's kind of put on their shoulders especially with Tillman on, on the DL and trying to nurse his way back. So I'm personally interested to see 
uh, you know, how they take that step forward on the road. You know, obviously it's April, it's not October baseball, but that's what you're, that's what you're aiming for. And I think how they compose themselves on the road in, in a, a hostile environment will, will be a big deal. And I think that success flows down to, to guys like Wade Miley, Baldo Menez in the back. You know, the more, the more confidence this staff can generate early in the season and against divisional opponents, you know, that's another factor. Uh, I think that'll only bring more success, uh, as the season goes on. We, we forget about Dylan Bundy, how few innings this kid pitched in the minor leagues, how few innings. It's, it's a ridiculously low amount. He pitched above single A in the, in the minors. He's never pitched an inning at triple A, and he has very few innings at double A. And what he's doing at the major league level with that stat is remarkable. I just don't think people realize the lack of experience he has at higher levels to include the majors, and because he ran out of options, they had no choice sink or swim, and the kid is clearly swimming. And what I've learned over Bundy Gosman over the years and getting to know him, talk to him, interview him countless times, and my impression is these kids are poised. They're up to the challenge. It doesn't mean every night they're going to be good or they're going to be aces. Maybe they will. But they're not afraid. They've got guts. We've seen them pitch big games for the Orioles already. Uh, Gosman wins game 162 to get in the playoffs. He pitched great late last year. Right. Bundy, look what he did the other night against a good Toronto team. He's not he's not afraid. Boston might light him up tonight. They've hit him before. And it'll be a real challenge for Bundy, you know, and this is you know, we're taping this before that the series begins in Fenway. So that's a real challenge for the kid. But I know this, Brian, if he gives up seven runs, that will not keep him from pitching good the next time out. Or if he pitches a shutout, that doesn't mean he's he's on his way. But he's not afraid. He's ready for the challenge. He's up to it. These kids embrace it. When I've asked them this spring, are you guys ready to lead this rotation if Tilly can't go? They're like, darn right, bring it on. I mean, they, they, want, they want it. They want the challenge. And I, Buck knows that. Uh, Buck's been around the game long enough to know that they're, they're, they've got the makeup to handle it. And that's, that's exactly what you want to hear from those guys. I mean, I, I know it seems like every time there's trade discussions and, and free agency and all that stuff, especially during the offseason, fans are, are coming up with – leaving comments and leaving these ideas. Oh, we could package Bundy to get this or Gosman and Bundy to get this. And, and Diora, Duquette, and Schultz are always saying, hey, these guys aren't on the table. And I think that's a big reason why. In addition to, their, of course, their talent, uh, is, is that makeup, is that, is that mindset and that attitude to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, oh, Tillman's first. Hey, we're ready to step up and be those leaders, and and that's that's invaluable, I think, especially in the rotation that well, has had to make it. To- if over the next two to three years, um, Bundy and Gosman are joined by prospects taking steps forward, like Hunter Harvey getting back healthy, and Sedlock, and Aiken, and David Hess, and Aquino, and Lee. All these guys, exciting. <laughs> yeah, all these guys are not going to hit it big, and all are not going to be good major league pitchers. If they are, the Orioles will have an embarrassment of riches, and no one does. But if if, the, if a good percentage of them uh, starts to develop for the major league team, not only will the Orioles have a young, talented rotation, but they'll have trade chips aplenty, and teams love young, cheap, good pitching. So if right. they do develop these guys and they start to advance to the major leagues, then if a situation comes up one winter, when a, when the next, um, uh, uh, who's the guy that the Red Sox got blanking on his name, Sale, the next Chris Sale is available, the Orioles will have pieces to trade. If, if, and uh, this is big if, I know, and we're talking two or three years down the road, because right now those guys aren't 
at that level. But then right. Lee might get there. Sedlock might get there. Tino, uh, Aiken, some of these guys might get there. So the Orioles are stockpiling pitching. Every team is, and they're hoping that, uh, you know, already two first-round picks in their rotation, and they're hoping there's more to come. Where it all begins. So let's let's take a look, a little closer look inside the numbers for for Bundy. He, again, he's starting the series opener tonight in Boston. Uh, he's seven career games against the Red Sox. Again, a mixture of uh, three starts and, and four appearances out of the bullpen. He actually made his major league debut at Fenway Park when he came out of the bullpen. So that's kind of a, a cool tidbit there. He's one and two with a six five three ERA uh, against the Red Sox. A little misleading in four games in Boston. He's actually one and zero with a three point eight six ERA. Uh, he only made one start at Fenway Park, uh, and in that start, he, he gave up three runs, six hits, and walked four in five and a third last September. So, again, not great, but, again, that, that can all change, and, and especially if he can carry that momentum from last week's start against Toronto. Boy, I think Orioles fans are in for a, a treat tonight, not so much for the for the Red Sox fans. So, um, I guess, Steve, just glancing over to the offense, uh, at least, again, it's a week. The hitters are still getting into a groove, you know, at the everybody's getting into a groove. So there's really not too much to take away, you know, at least concrete. Um, the Orioles, right now, team batting average, they're hitting 227. Again, not great, but again, it, it's very early. The one thing I did like is looking at the starters, uh, each guy who has had at least 10 plate appearances so far, um, they all at least have multiple hits. You know, on the season, which again, it doesn't sound like a great statistic, but only five game in, there's at least a nice little balance in guys starting to, to, to come around and get some hits. Um, and a lot of guys have multiple RBIs on the year already. So it, it, this is a lineup that we know is a strong point of this team. They're going to produce, they're going to have that pop already. We've seen it with Trumbo and opening day, uh, and, and Machado, I think with the nice three run homer the other day. So, uh, it, it kind of just seems like business as usual for this lineup and it's only going to get better. Uh, at least from a power Well, they need to get some guys going. They definitely do. I mean, Scope has had some rough swings so far, but I do like how Chris Davis has gone the other way a few times, and we know the power will be there. Um, and so far, again, a really ridiculously small sample, but the Orioles are hitting 387 with runners in scoring position, which is about 100 points better than anybody else in the league. No other right. team is over 300. So they've gotten some clutch hits. Uh, which is help, but um, it's going to be interesting to see how the platoons play out. Uh, Rickard on the DL now, so Gentry will probably get some starts. Uh, when they need to make another roster move, will one of the position players go? Uh, how much will they use Mancini? A lot of unanswered questions here, but I do think, um, you know, they're, they're, they're going to score some runs, and how they hit against left-handed pitching, they need to improve that off of last year when they were near the bottom of the league. Um, and, you know, uh, the home runs will come. Hopefully there's a little more speed factor in this lineup, and there's a little more on base to help. Speaking of record, what, what are your thoughts on the 10-day deal? Obviously, that's new this year. Um, what, what do you make of it, just having that 10-day versus the 15-day? I, I like it because I, over the years, it seems like the Orioles and probably other teams – we're always in between. They didn't know, is this guy only going to be out four days and we're not going to DL him, but if he's out eight days, now you DL him on a 10-day list and, you're, and, you, and you feel good about it. We know there's always been these occasions when, okay, this is the fifth day in a row. This guy hasn't played, but he's still active, and that's a roster spot you can't use. So I think it'll help all teams in baseball. We're going to see teams use and abuse this list probably. Right. Uh, maneuvered every which way but loose. We know this about Duquette and Buck. 
if there's loopholes, if there's a way to get every ounce out of that 10-day DL, they will to make it uh, help the Orioles. That's what they're going to do. And so in the case of Rickert, he might have been one last year that they might have waited a couple days and said, well, it's not that bad of a finger injury. Let's see if he can play in Toronto. Let's wait two or three days. And then they get to Toronto, and he can't play. So now they just said, let's just DL it. Let's, you know, they needed a roster move, obviously, for Miley, and that worked out well for them to you know, have a guy rather than have to make a tougher decision. Right, absolutely. Um, and I, I know we obviously – I think – if most people would ask if you if you ask people um, which player that the Orioles lost to free agency last season uh, might make the biggest impact or biggest loss, a lot of people might lean towards Weeders and came up drafted by the Orioles, came up there, uh, was really that veteran presence uh, behind the plate and helping, especially when these pitchers were very young and progressing, helping them in their development. Uh, but let's kind of talk a little bit about the, the some of the new Orioles to this point. Well, I think Castillo, Seth Smith. Uh, Gentry, what have you seen from those guys? I feel like they're all contributing uh, so far. Again, it's only a weekend, but I feel like they, they've already kind of made their, their presence known and I'm encouraged by what we've seen, especially from Castillo, uh, helping with these pitchers out. Yeah, I like what I see out of him, man. The arm is strong. I mean, he's yeah. thrown some guys out already, uh, and you're like, wow. Yeah. And the only ones he didn't throw out was when Ubaldo didn't give him a chance to throw him out, and they stole on the pitcher. But if this, if the Orioles staff holds runners on, and most of them do uh, well at that. This guy will have a chance to control the running game. And so, you know, everybody's concerned about his pitch framing, but uh, Zach Britton told me already he likes some of the things he sees from this guy. He, uh, he's, you know, helped him get some strikes. And so I think he's going to be fine. He, he's really a, uh, a personable guy, I found, in a little time I've talked to him. And the pitchers say the same. He's gone out of their way to spend time with them, talk to them, ask them questions. And I was impressed when I interviewed Britton after, uh, I forget which game actually, but, uh, Castillo came out and told him, uh, you know, had some thoughts on his sinker. And I thought, that's interesting. This catcher who's brand new to the team is not afraid to make a suggestion to A, the best closer in the league about B, maybe the best in single individual pitch in the league. You know, I mean, of all pitches, <laughs> it's one thing a pitcher who's struggling to throw a changeup say, hey, try this. He went out and said to Zach, you got to start it a little uh, higher in the zone because it's, 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 it's dropping too low right now. And, uh, and Zach said, I, that's the feedback you want as a pitcher. Uh, Zach Britton's not too proud to say, oh, hey, I, I, I know what to do with my sinker. I, I, I can handle that. No, he wants to say, what are you seeing back there? Tell me. Uh, it, it'll help him be better. Even Zach Britton can take advice. So uh, this guy's not afraid to do that. That's, that shows me that's a big, and, uh, that, you know, he's confident in his abilities back there. And as I said all spring, he was not going to miss a beat at the WBC. He had enough time to learn the pitchers, and it was an ongoing process, and we never hear any talk about that anymore, do we? No, absolutely. You know, it, it, he was – Absolutely, his presence has been great, and I, yeah, I, that's a bold move to, to, you know, go up to, you know, one of the best closers and say, hey, pitch isn't quite working, but yeah, Brit, as you said, Britain's going to take that and say, hey, you know what, that's that's already off to a good relationship there. He lets me know when when I'm struggling to give him some advice there, and obviously it paid off, you know, because Britain ended up yeah. notching that save there. So, um, I mean, and that's you know, pitcher doesn't have to take his advice; it's they're the ones who have to throw the ball, so they have right. to they have to do what they feel is best to succeed, but. 
just like a, a front office wants every morsel of information they can get before they make a decision on a player, you know, pitchers want feedback from their catcher, and this guy will give it. Weeders gave it. Fans asked, well, did Matt do that? Well, sure he did. Uh, you know, um, that's one of the jobs. And so um, Weeders really did a good job here, as we know, but I think this guy will do well here, too. Absolutely. Um, and now, Steve, I know you're sort of the man on the farm systems keeping tabs of what's going on. I think, at least as, as we taped this, some of the news earlier this morning, uh, Michael Bourne coming back uh, with a minor league deal. Um, he was only with the Orioles for part of the time last season, but he kind of made, made a nice little spark there. Uh, and the Orioles, again, brought back Pedro Alvarez on a, on a minor league deal there. Um, I feel like the, the AAA uh, system is, is, is chock full of guys who are ready to come up and, and can, uh, can step in and really compete or have competed in the past. I feel like you talked about the embarrassment of riches, maybe not quite to that point, but I definitely feel like there's some depth uh, for the Orioles, at least, uh, you know, as these guys start to, to play regularly and get banged up and, and need some, some healthy guys coming up, you know. Well, they use AAA and a lot of teams now. It's more of a veteran uh, major league guys who quite, didn't quite make a major league roster, and the Orioles have a whole pile of them at AAA, obviously. And, um, and But they're not blocking prospects. For instance, their best prospect is Cisco, and they moved into AAA, and they moved Audrey Perez down to AA. So that's how it, that's how it goes on the farm sometimes. Audrey Perez is plenty good enough to catch AAA for anybody, and the Orioles moved him to double-A this year because Cisco needed to go up. So um, if they had a shortstop prospect ready to go to AAA, they might not have brought Bakianish, but they did. And the other thing about um, player development, Brian, is you want good uh, – like the Orioles have a good defensive infield in Baltimore. They're trying to do that on the farm. Uh, they don't want to make errors behind their pitching prospects. They want to make the plays behind them and give them confidence. And when they deserve to get an out, they want to, they want to execute it and get the out. So they got guys at shortstop they like, like Yanish and at double A, Salcedo and Marine are both good guys with the glove. And that shortstop's a key position at the higher levels in the minors for Baltimore. And it may not be huge prospects, but they're making plays and helping the pitchers, you know, win. And that's important. And so, um, uh, some good things happening down there too. I mean, there's a real lot of good outfield depth developing. We talked about that on Masson the other day in the pregame show that Cedric Mullins has just been ridiculous to start. He's off to at double A. And you've got Austin Hayes and you've got Gassaway at single A and Cole Billingsley and Ryan McKenna at Delmarva. Um, and, and, uh, and DJ Stewart advanced to double A. So, I think the Orioles are starting to develop some outfield depth in the farm and you know, haven't really had a lot in recent years. Right. Absolutely. Um, so, Steve, as we kind of wrap up the first week podcast, uh, obviously the Orioles are hitting the road uh, to Boston for a pair of games and the Toronto for four games, and then they play the Reds, which kind of a nice change of pace. Obviously, you don't get to see the Reds uh, very often. So, um, anything else burning on your, on your radar, Steve? Anything else? No, it's just fun to see baseball back. And, you know, every night we're tracking all the box scores, including on the farm and talking to people about the minors. And, you know, I've had a lot of minor league coverage since I was in the in spring training. And I spent a couple of days at Twin Lakes Park getting a whole lot of interviews. And we'll be rolling out more of them over time. And I was at the Bowie Media Day 
And, of course, uh, always in Baltimore when the Orioles are there and often on the road when the Orioles are there. So other than that, Brian, i got absolutely nothing going on right now. Oh, good, good. All the time in the world. uh, You know, if I said 200 baseball games or more coming up for me, and uh, I couldn't, I wouldn't uh, like it any other way. So this is great and a lot to cover, talk about. and, And as you know, the thing I love about a baseball season is it's like a book with 20 chapters. And you just have no clue what Chapter 12 will be when you're reading Chapter 2. And there's going to be injuries and twists and turns and guys playing better than we thought, worse than we thought. And I, it's, to me, it's fascinating to see it unfold over a long run. It's the marathon, not a sprint, and, and it's one of the great things about the sport. Absolutely. Well, we enjoyed the uh, the first chapter so far, and we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes as we get into this book. So, um Thanks, everybody, for for tuning in this week. Be sure to catch us next week, and uh, be sure to check out uh, all Orioles coverage on MassInSports.com, Rock and Box, and, of course, Steve Molesky. Steve, we'll do it again next week. Look forward to it, Brian.